Chapter Two O One of Varney the Vampire, Volume Three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Julie Bynum. Varney the Vampire, Volume Three, by Thomas Prescott Prest. Chapter Two O One. The Night Alarm. The Vampire's Attack Upon the Bride. The particulars concerning the bringing of the body that had been picked up at sea by the brothers Edwin and Charles Crofton were to be learnt from many mouths so soon as the sexton evinced a disposition to know them, and in a very short time, and as the daylight was making the fainter and more spiritual light of the moon fade away, he again reached his own abode, where he had left a guest of whom the reader knows much, but of whom Will Stevens knew but little. He found the self-christened Mr. Smith waiting for him rather impatiently. "'Well,' he cried, "'your news, your news!' "'May be told, sir, in a few words,' replied the sexton, and then he made his new friend acquainted with the whole story, just as he had heard it of the fisherman on the coast. Mr. Smith, or as we may well call him at once the vampire, hesitated for a few moments as if he had not exactly and accurately made up his mind what to do, and then he said— you will go to the Grange House, and tell the story that I have before informed you I would have told. Be sure that you expiate upon my gentility and respectability, for I want to be upon good terms with the Crofton family. Well, but, sir, I'm a tenant of Sir George Crofton's, and so you see— What, said the vampire, his eyes flashing with indignation as he spoke, dare you dispute my positive commands? No, sir, I, I only— Peace, caitiff and know that I hold thy life in my hands for your attempted robbery of me. The sexton trembled. That was indeed the weak point now of all his defences against whatever commands might be put upon him by his master, as we may now call the vampire, although after all it was but the usual dominion of a strong mind over a weak one, for there was not so much in reality for the sexton to be afraid of as his own guilty conscience dictated to him. It were easy enough for the vampire to charge him with robbery, but not at all so easy for him to prove such a charge, and at the same time to substantiate, as by some inquisitive counsel he might be called upon to do, his own position in society. But it is most true. Conscience doth make cowards of us all, and feeling that his intention regarding the rings of the supposed drowned man had been of a dishonest character, he could not summon courage sufficient to defy him now. "'I will go,' he said. "'I am going.' "'Tis well. In far from the pleasantest train of thought, the sexton went to the Grange and asked to see Mr. Charles Crofton, and to him he related the version of the resuscitating of the supposed drowned man. It was heard with, as might be expected, the most profound astonishment, and the sexton soon found himself confronted with the whole assembled family and forced to repeat the wonderful facts over again. It seemed, as indeed it might well do, a something quite beyond belief. "'Why, Edwin,' said Charles, "'he must have been in the water far beyond the length of time "'that it mostly takes to drown any one before we saw him. "'I think so, too. "'It must be so, for this reason, "'that he was a considerable distance from land, "'and there was no vessel near enough for him to have come from.' "'Hold,' said Sir George Crofton, my dear boys, "'you are forgetting the most important fact of all. "'Are we, father?' "'Yes, and that is that the gentleman is alive. "'You cannot get over that, you know, "'and as I have often heard that whatever is is natural, 
why there's no disputing any more about it and besides how do we know but that he was in some boat which was swamped a few minutes before you saw him that is a most rational supposition said edwin and that we can say nothing against added charles what is to be done father why do not let us do good by inches we know that this is the only decent house within a considerable distance for a gentleman to remain in if he have the habits of comfort about him so master stephen if you will go and give our compliments to the stranger and ask him to come here i shall be much obliged to you i will sir george and you can tell him that we are plain folks but assure him of a hearty welcome will stevens made his bow and exit well said edwin it's very odd although of course it must be all right and i am the last person who would wish to make anything out of a commonplace event but to all appearances dead he was when we took him into the boat and i never before heard of a spontaneous recovery like this from such a state then you have added to your stock of experience said his father laughing and i must own for my own part that i am rather curious to see this person who was a curiosity in appearance according to your accounts when he was dead or supposed to be dead he was so remarked charles for i am certain you might travel the world over without meeting a more singular-looking man than he was in the first place he looked particularly tall but that might have arisen from the fact that we only saw him in a horizontal position and then there was something about the expression of his face which was perfectly indescribable and yet at the same time filled you with feelings of curiosity and dread the sisters heard this account of the mysterious stranger with feelings of great interest why said emma we have all of us often complained of being dull here but such an animal as this will be quite an acquisition and just as clara is going too what a pity laughed edwin i shall endeavour to survive the horrid disappointment said clara for she was to be married on that day to one who had been the chosen companion of her heart for many a day and was to leave the home of her childhood to proceed far away to his house in wales where she was to be the light of joy to another admiring and loving circle ah well i pity you said emma then you had better at once remarked clara forbid the occasional visits here of a certain young officer who i am afraid has some audacious intentions the ready colour flushed to the cheek of the younger sister who had scarcely expected such a retort although she had fairly provoked it come girls said the father we will have no more lance breaking between you about your lovers certainly not father said clara but then you know unless emma is made to see that she is vulnerable she will go on tormenting me in other words emma said edwin you see that people who live in glass houses should not throw stones a most useful maxim i don't care for any of you said emma half crying as she ran out of the room clara followed her for there was really the very best understanding and the kindest feeling between the two young girls although occasionally a smart repartee would be uttered upon some such occasion as the present but all that was soon forgotten the sexton who was getting each moment more and more uneasy about the sherry had in the affair of the resuscitated man of the bone house went back to the cottage and there informed the self-named mr smith of the success of his mission to the grange house you think they will welcome me said the vampire i am sure of it sir they are the frankest freest family i ever knew and they would not have asked you to go to the grange if they did not mean to use you well and there are two daughters yes sir and young and fair you tell me they are two as handsome girls as you will find in this part of the country sir they have always been much admired 
One of them, as I before mentioned, is going to be married and taken away, but the other stays at home. "'Tis well. Not you will not fail to remember the awkward situation in which you are. Keep the ring which you took from my finger, and with it keep your own counsel, for any babbling upon your part will most assuredly lead to your destruction. Yes, sir, I know. And although that destruction might not be immediate, you would lead a life of trembling terror until your doom was accomplished, and that doom should be a dreadful one in its manner. Now farewell, farewell, and remember me. I shall never forget you the longest day I have got to live, said the sexton with a shudder, as he saw the tall, angular, gaunt-looking form of his most mysterious new acquaintance leave his cottage and make his way toward the Grange. End of chapter 201